All right. So let's go ahead. We're going to go ahead and jump into our, our series around the table. This is just going to be a kind of a shorter four-week series or so, unless something changes that I'm unaware of. Um, and last week, we kind of, kind of opened the series. We kind of talked about how Jesus has kind of invited us into the series, or into the series, into, into, into the table. And we're going to be in Luke 14 throughout this series. And we kind of talked about how Jesus told this parable about basically a, a, a master who is going to throw this amazing, amazing banquet and, and and he invited all these people but people started making excuses and then he says man uh, he got upset and he begins to invite all the people to come and wanted them to partake in the banquet we kind of talked about how last week that that you have a seat at the table that Jesus has invited you to sit down with him and experience him and all the things that take place at the table and today we're going to kind of continue in that theme obviously we're going to continue with this concept of being around the table but here's the thing once you've sat down once you have accepted that invitation and now you are at the table now there's other things that Jesus wants to do it's a lot of times unfortunately what we do sometimes as Christians is we go awesome I'm going to sit down here with Jesus and I'm just going to gorge myself on things and and not really change not really become who God wants me to be not really do the things he wants me to be I'm just going to sit here at the table and do nothing and the problem is is Jesus says listen I'm thrilled you're at the table I want want you at the table. There's a seat for you at the table. We talked about that last week. There's a, you know, one of those name tags. If you go to a fancy Thanksgiving, you know, they have the name tags. You have a place. But Jesus says, you know what? I want to do stuff at the table. Okay? I don't know about you, but, but I grew up as a table being multi-purpose you know I mean it, it was used for many different things it was meant to have family meetings it was meant to celebrate birthdays it was meant to to have um just a, a normal everyday Tuesday evening dinner it had many uses it had many things there was there was discipline that was uh, given out at the table you know there was exciting news given out at the table I remember coming home and having a report card and handing mom and dad the report card at the table so lots of things take place there. And Jesus' table is, is there to do a lot of different things in us and through us. And so we need to understand that now that we're at the table, Jesus wants to do more. Okay? Jesus wants to do some things now that we're there, basically. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at, basically, in Luke, where Jesus begins to, in some ways, now that he's talked about that invitation coming and sitting what God wants to do in that moment in our hearts and in our lives. And here's the thing. I'm just going to tell you right from the get-go. This is going to be a little bit like some of the things Jesus says here are like, whoa. I mean, they're, they're kind of intense. They seem on the surface very in your face. Okay, And we're going to take some time and, and unpack these things together. But I'm just warning you now, like Jesus doesn't mess around right now. Jesus is not going to mix some words up and, 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 and things like that. He's going to lay it out and help us to see exactly what he wants to do, what he expects of us, and so many other things. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to start in Luke 14. We're going to read verses 25 through 33. And then we're going to come back and we're going to look at them together, okay? So we're going to look at our verses and then come back and kind of unpackage, uh, unpackage these things together. So again, if you have your Bibles, it'll also be up on the screen. Luke 14, starting with verse 25, this is what it says. It says, a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, 
If you want to be my disciples, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father, your mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciples. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there was enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So, you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. And Jesus, as we have just read your words, these are some strong words. There, there's, there, Jesus, there's a lot of times where, where you use the word, you cannot. There, there's not a lot of wiggle room in those, Jesus. And, and God, as we look at these things together, God, it can be so easy for us to look at these things and, and kind of put up a wall and go, wait a minute, that's a little too strong for me. That's a little too much for me. I'm not sure. But God, I pray that we wouldn't do that. That instead, we would open our hearts to what you want us to understand about what you're saying here. And yeah, not, not watering it down, but, but being honest with what you're wanting us to see and do. And that, Father, I thank you that you make it clear. There's no question here. And I pray that you would help us to accomplish that. Open our hearts. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Pretty strong words. Pretty, like I said, as I was praying, I believe there's three times where Jesus basically says, maybe four, where he says, listen, if you don't do this, you cannot be my disciple. He's not, he's not saying, it's, it's okay, hey, this is an optional thing, hey, it can, maybe we can work this out. He's just real clear. He really is saying, listen, if you aren't willing to do this, then you can't do this. It's almost like they're diametrically opposed. They can't happen at the same time. And Jesus comes out very strongly and very firmly in this moment. He doesn't, and what's interesting is, is all these people are following Jesus. You know, you would think that Jesus would be all excited. You'd think, wow, look at all these people. Isn't this wonderful? I've gathered a crowd. And then Jesus begins to basically say, you know what? If you're not willing to do this, this, and this, you might as well turn around and go home. I don't know if that would kind of jive with some of the pastor books I read nowadays. A lot of the pastor books say, hey, look, good crowd. Don't say something that'll make them mad. Don't do something that'll make them go, well, I don't know if I want to be a part of this church. No, Jesus basically like, okay, guys, listen, here's the deal. I don't know about you. I like that. I kind of, I'm, I'm not real bright, you know? Like, I like it when somebody says, this is the way we're going to do this. And I'm like, okay, good, you know, I can do that. You know, we've talked about this before. I do not do well with Ikea instructions, because they're not instructions, they're pictures. And although I'm visual, I need somebody to be like, you're gonna do this, and then you're gonna do this, and then you're gonna do this. And in some ways, Jesus kind of lays out some things. And so this morning, using our text, 
using the things that Jesus kind of lays out, we're going to look at this together. Now that we're seated at the table with Jesus, what does he want us to do? Okay, now we're there, okay? Now you say, hey, Aaron, I'm not, I'm not really seated at the table with Jesus. Okay, j- listen, we'll get to you in a little bit, okay? You're not, you, you can write these things down and keep an eye on these things. But, but these are, in a lot of ways, Jesus is now saying, listen, if you're going to follow me, you've come to the table, but now there's another step, okay? There's another step here that Jesus wants us to take us on. And if we're going to do this, we need to be doing some of these things, okay? These things should be a part of our lives, on mainly, basically on a daily basis, because some of these things are hard, and we have to kind of readjust, okay? So we're going to look at some of those things. So the first thing we want to look at, he wants us to put him where he belongs, okay? He wants us to put him where he belongs. Look at Luke 14. We just read it, but again, verses 25 and 26. This is what it says. It says, as the large crowd was following Jesus, he turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Now hold on to that by comparison. We're going to get back to that in a second. Your father, your mother, wife, children, brother and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, here it is, you cannot be my disciple. Now, here's the strange thing is, you know, I mean, I've, 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 I've you know, I've, you know, Jesus is love. What do, you, what do you mean hate people? Is Jesus basically saying, listen, if I'm going to follow Jesus, i got to hate pretty much everybody else in my life? No, he's not saying that. What he's basically saying is in comparison, you're going to hate them. You're going to, he uses that word hate as a very strong word to help us understand how instead we should love him above everything else. Notice what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, and I'm going to kind of give it a little bit of, of, of you know, 2022 action here, okay? He didn't say you're going to need to, you're going to need to hate your cell phone more than me, or you're going to have to hate your house more than me, or you're going to hate your car more than me, even though sometimes, unfortunately, we can kind of put those things above people in our lives. No, he says, listen, the relationships you have, those things that you put as so important need to be in comparison very low on the totem pole. Now, here's what we need to understand about that for a second. Notice he didn't say house, car, cell phone, those types of things. So basically what he's saying is those things are even less important than husband, wife, children, family, and those sorts of things. So just in case there's a little bit of problem here where you're basically going, oh man, I'm really out of whack because not only do I not put Jesus first, I put things in front of people. So even that may need to be adjusted a little bit in your life. But what Jesus is saying here is, listen, in comparison to these things that are supposed to be held so dear to you, in comparison to me, you need to hate them. That's strong, guys. That is strong language. And he says, listen, if you can't do that, you can't be my disciple. Now, now, now hear me here. What Jesus is not saying is not you messed up, you loved your, your wife or your husband or your kids more than Jesus, you're out. That's not what he's saying. There is grace, thank goodness. But what he is saying some, something like this. Listen, if you can't put me where I belong, then you're going to have an issue with everything else in your life. One of the great things, hear me, one of the great things about putting Jesus where he belongs is everything else then under it begins to work 
better. You want to be a better husband? Love Jesus the most, and he'll teach you how. You want to be a great parent? Put Jesus first and what he wants to do in you and through you, and you'll be amazed at the type of parent you can be. You want to be a great boss or a great employee? Put Jesus first and let him train you and show you at the table what that looks like according to his word, not according to the word of the world. And you're going to find that all these other things begin to work so much better in our lives when we simply put Jesus where he goes. And listen, I know how this works. I know speaking this, some of you, it's like your mama hearts and your dada hearts are kind of going, oh, but my kids are just so great and I just love them so much. And I'm like, good, you should. But at the same time, Jesus has got to be number one. Remember, he says, in comparison. He says, when you look at things and you see how you do life and what these things look like, listen, he's like, I got to be first. Listen, it's in your notes. We need to desire Jesus over everything else and everyone else in our lives. So the point is not to hate people or stuff. The point is to love Jesus more. Okay? They say, boy, I love my wife. Yes, good. Thank you. Awesome. Love Jesus more. Love Jesus more. You say, I I love this or I love that. Fine. I love love fishing. I love love my hobbies. Great. Those are awesome. I love to cook. I love to eat. Whatever. Listen, that's great. Just put Jesus above it. Put him number one. Put him where he belongs. When you can do that, when you're at the table with him, everything else can change. Because then what happens, and this is a beautiful thing, what happens is what becomes placed on the table becomes a lot less important than who's at the table. Listen, if you are what I call a blessing seeker, like that's what's all, you know, it's like I'm in this because what God can give me You're not putting Jesus where he belongs. You may be quote-unquote at the table, but you care a lot more about what God's going to put on the table than what who's at the table. I've heard it said, don't be so concerned with the hand of God as much as the face of Jesus, of God. Because when all we care about what God can give us, we're going to miss who he is. And listen, who he is and what he is is so much greater than what he gives and he gives amazing stuff, doesn't he? Yes. He gave Jesus. I mean, goodness sakes, I'm looking around. Hold on, I'm just checking. I'm just checking. Hold on, I'm almost done. Good. I think, I think everyone in here... Oh, wait, I didn't check in the back. Okay, okay I know Gordon, oh, he's got... Okay, every single one of you, maybe slower than others, had two feet and two legs and walked into this place this morning. I don't think anybody walked here. I think everybody used some type of mechanical device to get here. You're blessed, folks. The problem is, is we tend to care about the things that don't matter as much as the things that do. Because I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you bring somebody in here who doesn't have those extremities, you'd be surprised what they give up to get them back. So we focus in on him, putting him where he belongs. 
Look at Matthew 16. Boy, this is a strong verse too. Matthew 16, 25. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Will find it. You know what I've found as I look at sometimes my own life and the life of others? I see a lot of people that spend a lot of time trying to find their life. That's so, so important because they're, they're, they're holding on to it. Remember, Jesus in his verse that we read, it didn't just say about people. He ends it with ourselves. If we're not willing to even put ourselves below, then we're going to have some issues. And so not only does he want us seated with him, which is so good, so important, but he wants us to put, us, put him where he belongs. Number two, second thing, he wants us to follow his pattern. Okay? He wants us to follow his pattern. Look at Luke 14, 27. In Luke 14, 27, it says this, and if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, here we are again, you cannot be my disciple. Now again, okay, we're going to have to sort of step back a little bit, put ourselves in, in kind of first century, uh, you know, Middle Eastern area, Roman occupation. Jesus here is saying something extremely shocking and extremely like, whoa, 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 whoa. Listen, if you want to, you know, thin out a crowd, this is a great way to do it. He basically says this, if you don't come to me and are willing to die in the most excruciating way possible, by the way, in the most humiliating way possible, you can't follow me. Now we hear it and go, oh, well, look, isn't that a beautiful thing? You know, because we know the story. We know what Jesus did for us. We know, but at this time, they don't understand that. What they're hearing is basically, listen, you're going to have to follow me to be my disciple. You're going to have to be willing to die in this type of way. It's a major deal. It's a major thing. It's something that we all heard before, but do we really understand what Jesus is asking us to do? He's not just asking us to die, and he's not, especially today, asking us to die physically, even though, if you didn't know this, you need to. You, you realize that there are more Christian martyrs today in our world right now than there have been in all the centuries past. People are dying for Jesus at a record rate. Now, thankfully, we live in our country that we live in today, and we don't necessarily see that. So in a lot of ways for us, it's not necessarily willing to die in a physical way, but it's willing to die in a spiritual way. It's willing to basically say, you know what, the things I want most, the things that are most important to me, the things that I want to see take place, you know what, I'm going to put those aside, my wants, my desires, my things, and I instead am going to say, you know what, Jesus, I want what you want. It's a dying to self type of thing that we need to understand. But here's the thing. I want to dive a little bit deeper into this, okay? And I want to use specifically this verse to do it. Because when we talk about, you know, dying to ourselves and carrying our cross, I mean, you know, we could have, we could do a whole series on, on that and what that really means. But I want to see what Jesus is meaning in this context and in this moment. So let's break this verse down a little bit and let's dive a little bit deeper. So let's look at it together. Luke 14, 27. First of all, the number one thing, or the first thing, everyone's cross is a little bit different, okay? Everyone's cross is a little bit different. There's some similarities to all of them, but there's also some differences. Because remember what Jesus says in verse 27 is he says, you need to pick up your own cross. My cross is going to look a little different than yours. 
And here's unfortunately what I find sometimes with Christians is we tend to judge each other's crosses, don't we? My cross is more spiritual than your cross. I'm doing this more than you are. Or the opposite of that is, oh, you know, Jesus really hasn't really asked me to do this. And, or I really want to do this. I would really like to die this way. But no, Jesus wants me to die this way. Listen, stop comparing your cross to other people's crosses. Your job is not to compare crosses. Your job is to pick yours up and carry it and do what Jesus asked you to do. Okay? Because sometimes when we do that, we tend to miss what God really wants to do in us. Okay? I know in my own life, unfortunately, at times, when, when I get so wrapped up in, in somebody else's cross, guess what I'm not doing? Carrying my own. You know, it's real hard. Listen, here, here's the deal. You, you, you know, everybody knows what a cross looks like. Okay? These are not small little objects. You know, I mean, we've all been to the Easter productions where basically there's Jesus. He comes in with two two-by-fours that are put together, and you, you feel like the cross weighs, you know, three pounds. These are huge, heavy objects. And you know what I found? It's very hard to carry your cross and point fingers at the same time. It's real hard to hold it and go, oh, look at, here's what typically happens. We drop it, then we can point more easily. Your cross is going to be different than mine. And that's okay. That's okay. So don't let it keep you from carrying your own. Number two, we carry our cross because Jesus first carried his. Okay, what's Jesus say here? He says, follow me. Okay, now when we hear that, we have this, this picture. Okay, I'm his disciple. I'm going to follow him. But I think there's a deeper understanding here of Jesus is like, listen, I'm going to carry it, so you're going to carry it. If you're really going to do this, you're going to follow me in the same way. And Jesus, throughout Scripture, we see it over and over and over again. His willingness to lay down his life. His willingness to say, you know what, Father? It's not what I want. It's what you want. Those are the types of things that he's saying, listen, if you're going to follow me and carry this thing, you're going to do. But listen, Jesus doesn't just say, listen, have at it. Have a good time. He says, let me show you what this looks like. Let me help you to see how this is supposed to be in your life. So Jesus doesn't just say, hey, you do it. He says, follow me as I do it. Follow me as I show you what it looks like. So here's the thing. If you go, I'm not really sure what that means. I'm not really sure what that looks like. Listen, we got four Gospels and a lot of Bible that we can look at and see what that meant to Jesus and how he lived it out. Follow that example. Follow that leading. The last one. And again, these are strong words. This isn't optional, guys. We cannot do this. And listen, these are not my words. These are his. He says, if you don't carry this cross, your cross, not somebody else's, your cross, you cannot be my disciple. This isn't an optional thing. This isn't a, hey, I think I'll do it today, but not tomorrow. If we're going to follow him, this is a part of the deal. Jesus talked a lot about this idea of the servant is not above the master or the student isn't above the teacher. And basically what he's saying is, listen, if, if I'm your teacher and I'm your master, if I'm your Lord and Savior and I had to carry my cross, you're going to need to carry yours too. And here's the thing. And I want, this, is, this is important you get this. Because Jesus was willing to carry his cross, listen, he literally changed the world. If you want to change your world, you're going to have to be willing to do the same. Period. 
a lot of us, we want to change our world, and we think we can do it without carrying our own cross. It just doesn't work that way. It's not optional. I don't know how many times I've had people, oh, I just want God to use me. I want to change my world for him. Really? That's great. So here's what that means. It means that you can't have it your way all the time. It means that you're going to have to serve others. It's going to mean that your wants, your desires, what you, you're going to have to die to those things daily and carry your cross to follow Jesus. And they're, they're, well, well, no, I I, I don't want to do that. You're not going to change your world. What the church needs to do to change our world, our churches, our communities, our country is, listen, hear me. It's not come up with new slick slogans. It's not to come up with, well, if you just follow this magical plan and if you do A, B, C, and D, then wow, your church will explode with people. No, I'm sorry. What we need is more pastors and more leaders and more people to pick up their cross and follow him. Amen. That's what we need. Yeah. That's what we need. And you can't, listen, and don't sit there and go, oh, wow, that was really good, Eric. No, it's just what the scripture says. I'm just regurgitating what Jesus is saying here. We love to try to make it more complicated. We love to make it sound more spiritual and more flashy and more, because you know what? Nobody wants to die. Nobody says, oh, oh, me, 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 me. And if you do, you're a little weird. I'll be honest with you. It's hard to die to ourselves. It's hard to carry our cross. But as a disciple of Jesus, It's not optional. Look what he says in Matthew 10, just to drive this point home a little bit more. Matthew 10, 38. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. I told you last week this was going to be a message that was going to be a little bit more... I don't know if that's the right way to put it. we got to take up our cross. Next. Next. He wants us to count the cost. He wants us to count the cost. Now listen, how does sometimes usually some things work? Like if if I'm trying to manipulate you or you're trying to manipulate me, okay, I don't want you to count the cost, okay? Like let me explain this to you. Like let's say I am a car salesman. Don't boo me, okay? I am a car salesman. And I have you come in, and you're like, well, you know, I just like this nice, uh, you know, maybe it gets good gas mileage, and, and it's the cheaper model, and I, I don't need all the bells and whistles. You know what? I'm probably, if I'm, 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 I'm going to be like, well, yeah, that's nice, but have you seen this? Well, that has nothing I want. It doesn't matter. It's brand new. Look at it. Isn't it wonderful? And, and I begin to, and here's the thing, and you go, you go, well, but how much more is it? than the other one I want. I don't want you to count the cost at this point. I want you to get in, in, ooh, shiny. Ooh, pretty. Ooh, ooh, heated seats. Ooh, yes. Hallelujah for heated seats. I mean, I mean, come on, yeah. Because I don't want you to count the cost. Because it's going to cost you more in the long run. Especially if you can't afford it. You get where I'm going here? Jesus is not like that. Jesus says, you need to count the cost. He invites us to count the cost. He wants us to count the cost. Look what he says in Luke 16, 28 through 32. Again, we read it, but here it is again. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin a construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. I love that. 
They would say, there's the person who started the building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss with his army of 10,000 could defeat 20,000 soldiers marching against him. And if he can't, he'll send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. Jesus is like, listen, you need to know what this is going to cost you. You need to understand. Why is Jesus being so firm here? Why is Jesus laying it out? Because he wants you to count the cost. He invites us to do that. In fact, in some ways, he kind of would say, listen, if you don't, you're kind of foolish. Like, who wouldn't do that? Like, for something as as small as, as a building project, you know what I mean? Like, you would do this. Why wouldn't you do it with a decision like this? Why wouldn't you take the time to really look and see what it's going to cost you? And see, some people look at that and they go, oh, boy, that's kind of a negative. I don't. I look at it as a positive. I look at it like our Jesus is saying, here it all is. It's all in front of you. You know what that tells me? This is a good deal. When people are hiding stuff, when people are like, hey, you know, like, like don't, don't worry about the cost of this car. Just, just look at the shiny things. Like, there, there's, you, 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 you and I both know, like, I don't know about this car salesman. He's not got my best interest at heart. But when you have somebody that says, here it all is, you can make your decisions for yourself. Here it all is. You know, that's what Jesus has done. He basically says, here it is. You get to, you get to make this call. You get to make the decision. There's no, there's no manipulation. There's no guilt or shame. It's just here it is. Here's the invitation. Here it is. I like that about Jesus. I like that he shares that with you and me in that way. And it's interesting as well that he kind of uses some very interesting understandings here. He, he uses things that, that we kind of have an idea about, and it's in your notes. Jesus alludes to the idea that being his disciple was like building and battle. Okay? Building and battle. Each one of these are usually more costly than one thinks before beginning. Isn't it? Battle and building. Man, you want to talk about what it is to be a disciple of Jesus, what he is expressing to you and me? That's a great way to understand it. It's about building and it's about battle. You want to be a disciple of Jesus? You better understand that he wants you building things in your life, building things for him, building things for others. And also he wants you to battle. He wants you to be willing to say, you know what? I'll stand up for what's right. I'm not going to cower in the corner and say, oh, well, that's not really popular. Listen, do you think right here Jesus is expressing things that people are really excited about are popular? Jesus is saying, this is the truth. You want the truth? Here it is. You want to see what I have? Here it is. And so he's saying, listen, when it comes to your life, there better be some building and there better be some battle. And here's the deal. If you don't see either of those things in your life, you may need to take a step back and understand, maybe I'm not following Jesus the way I ought to. Okay? Because you're going to find that God wants you growing. And if you're growing, the enemy is not going to sit back and be thrilled with that. And he's going to battle you. And we need to understand to count the cost. We need to understand that those things sometimes are costly. But listen, hear me here. You need to understand this. When you're counting the cost, what Jesus charges 
And the opposite, or, or basically, the, the, if, you, if you're not willing to pay that price, hear me, if you're not willing to pay that price, you're going to pay a much steeper price. It doesn't always seem that way, okay? It doesn't always seem that way. But I promise you, you will pay someone or something. And the deal that Jesus is giving us to follow him is astronomically a better deal than what you'll pay if you don't. So you can't have this, well, I just, I'm not going to pay the price. I just, I just don't want to do that. I'm going to do my own thing. No, it just doesn't work that way. So the cost is going to be big one way or another. It's, the question is, is who you're going to pay? Who are you going to pay? Next, last one. He wants us to be willing to allow him to change everything. Okay? When you're sitting at the table, okay, Jesus wants you to give him the ability or the opportunity to change everything in you. Look at Luke 14, 33. So, you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. What do you own? Think about that. What, what do you really own? You know, we have that, you know, you have maybe have a discussion with financial people. What do you really own? You know, like what is really yours? What is, you know, like, you know, some people say, well, if you're not, if you're making on payments, it's not really yours and whatever. So, you know, what is, what is the everything that Jesus is really talking about? What do you really own? It, it's, it's sometimes not the things that we think about, but it's, it's really who we are. It, it, it's, it's those things that, that we hold kind of close to us that, that God wants to kind of look at and says, listen, I, I want to I change you. I want to make you more like me. And, and here's the thing. I, I think this was interesting. In the, in the Greek, okay, this idea of, of basically giving up everything, that idea of the, the, the Greek wording of that is basically this idea of basically saying, um, saying goodbye to, Okay. It's literally like going, hey, this stuff that you're holding on to, it's like basically what Jesus is saying. you got to be willing to go like, see ya, bye, don't need it, got something better. That's the idea. It's literally waving goodbye to it. It's like those things that, that we have. Jesus wants us to say, you know, goodbye, 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 to give up everything we own. But listen, let's look a little bit deeper in this verse. Let's look at what deeper truth Jesus is wanting to communicate in this verse. Because again, this is a verse we usually hear a lot. And so I want to unpack it as we close this morning. Number one, he doesn't want to give people the impression that they have to clean up their lives before they come to him. Okay? This is very important because we hear this a lot. I got to get it cleaned up. We talked a little bit about this last week. Okay? The invitation is not given to you because you are dressed a certain way or you got all your stuff together or all that sort of stuff. It is simply given to everyone. We read it in the parable last week where Jesus basically tells the story where the master says, go out to the country and find people in the hedges and, and all over, like, just bring them into my house. He doesn't say, listen, you got to look a certain way or believe a certain thing or understand a certain thing or be able to memorize certain verses or, hey, listen, if you don't have the books of the Bible memorized in order, then you're just not invited to the party. No. He's saying, listen, you need to understand 
that you are invited. You don't have to clean it up. It's kind of like this. It's like saying, I'm going to take, uh, you know, like, I don't know about you, but, you know, like, Easton's still at that place where, like, showers and cleaning up are still not the favorite thing to do, you know? I, I'm, I'm hoping that, I'm sure that'll change at some point, you know? But it's like, okay, buddy, it's time to take a shower. And he's like, uh, you know, because he'd rather do something else, you know? understanding like you got to get cleaned up before you come to the table and sit with Jesus is kind of like going, hey, listen, I'm going to clean up. I'm going to wash up before I take a bath or a shower. That's silly. Do, do, do this. Instead of doing that, just go take the shower. Okay? Jesus is saying, listen, I want you just to come as you are. But here's the thing. There's a number two. There's a number two in this. Yet likewise... He doesn't want to give people the impression that he won't want to clean up their lives with their cooperation after they come to him. Okay? So listen, there's two sides of this coin. The first side is Jesus says, listen, you come as you are. All your junk, all your hurt, all your disappointment, all those things, just come and sit at my table. But listen, when you come and you sit at my table, I love you too much to keep you that way. You know, I've heard people say, you know, when I, when I can forgive what someone did to me, then I'll come to Jesus. Listen, can I just be flat honest with you? You're not really going to be able to do that without Jesus' help. You're trying to do things that you can't do on your own. And you get frustrated. People get really frustrated. People are angry. You know why they're so angry, I think? In some ways, they are trying to do stuff in their lives that they were never created to be able to do. And man, that's frustrating. They don't understand. It's our job to help them see, listen, you weren't created to fix that deep hurt. Only Jesus can bring complete healing in that. And if you don't go to him, you are always going to carry around that wound. It's a message of hope not despair, because it's explaining to people where hope can be found, where it truly can be found. I mean, what good father would, listen, hear me here. I mean, it's great that Jesus says, come as you are, but let's picture this for a second, okay? Let's, let's put it in kind of a thing that we can really see. The king invites you, but maybe the president, think of somebody high up has invited you out of everybody to come and, and partake in this just amazing table that's set. And he says, listen, I don't care that you haven't showered in three years. I don't care that you, you haven't, you know, you're dirty and that you're filthy. I don't care. I just want you to be there. And you say, wow, what an invitation. Me dirty and filthy and smelly and just all these things and I was invited and you say I'm not going to miss this and so you walk in and you you come into the White House or wherever the kings and you come in and people are like going whoa whoa you know and you're like dude I got an invitation I got an invitation you're like really and you sit down now think about this what good king, what good president, what good person who had the ability to clean you up wouldn't? Wouldn't come to you and say, hey, listen, I know you haven't bathed in a while. Listen, I love you. 
just the way you are. And I've proved it by inviting you here. But let me, let me, let me, let's clean you up. Maybe, maybe, maybe you walk in and maybe you've covered it up with a jacket, but man, you, you have this real deep wound on your arm. I mean, it's deep. Somebody cut you deep. It's festering. It's infected. It's painful. Your arm doesn't even hardly work. Would, wouldn't, wouldn't it be appropriate for the person that invited you to say, come on, let me get you some medical attention. Let's, let's get that healed. What do you think Jesus wants to do in your life? He doesn't look at you and say, you're dirty. I don't want anything to do with you. He's proved that by the invitation. He proved that already by dying for you. The love that God has for you is a love that is today. No matter where you're at, no matter how much junk you're carrying around, no matter how much hurt you have, you're invited to the table. But God in his goodness and his grace and his abundance says, listen, Let's start getting you cleaned up. Let's start bringing you some healing. Let's start, let's start doing some deep, deep work deep inside of you. Jesus wants you to give it all away and change everything because quite honestly, what you brought to the table, God has something better at the table. Okay? It's like, it's like God is saying, come on up. And whatever you eat, whatever you like, you know, it's like, I got to be careful, you know. It's like, I know what I like, but, you know, some people like other things. Whatever your favorite food is, it's like God has prepared it, put it on the table. And, 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 and you've brought basically, and please forgive me if you like this, you brought a three-day-old, dropped in the dirt, dropped in the trash, picked up McDonald's cheeseburger. And you're like, I got lunch, plop. And God's like, well, um, that's great, but I have all of this for you. Which of us would go, you know, God, there's some good mold growing on the bun right now. You know, it's like, I, 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 I'm going to eat that. I think that'll be. But, but son, but, but daughter, look what I have prepared for you. Oh... No. Every single one of us would go, let's eat. God loves you that much. He has prepared the table for you. Can you guys do me a favor just to help us focus? Let's all close our eyes, just bow our heads as we kind of bring this to a close. The table is such a special place, isn't it? I, I, I do not find it surprising at all that, that in our lives and in our culture and literally throughout thousands of years, the table has always been a very central spot. We, we talked about a little bit last week where so much of what Jesus did took place around a table or around a meal. And, and now... Jesus has invited us. Now, remember at the very beginning, I said, you know, for some of you, you know, maybe, maybe you've not really accepted that invitation yet. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you've never been in church. Maybe you were in church at one time but aren't now. And 
And, and, and if I asked you and I said, hey, you know, have you really accepted that invitation to sit at Jesus' table? You'd go, well, I don't know, or no, I don't think I have. Well, listen, I know this was last week, and, but you are still invited. You have a name tag that God has placed at your seat that is for you and no one else. Do you realize that? The God of the universe who spoke and planets were formed and stars came and all these things has a place for you. You know, a lot of times we'll sit there, oh, no, the place is for all the good people. Listen, there, there, there's no such thing as good people. There just isn't. We all got a lot of dirt on us that, that Jesus wants to clean off. But first things first, he would never allow the dirt and the mess to keep you from accepting his invitation. He'll clean it up later. But right now, it's about accepting that invitation. It's about saying, Jesus... I want to sit at your table. I want to take my spot there. And so if you never have, there's a real easy way to accept that and to accept that invitation. It's simply by praying and asking Jesus, Jesus, can I, can I accept that invitation? That invitation of forgiveness, that invitation of grace, that invitation to make you Lord and Savior of my life because I know and I believe that you are exactly who you said you were. You're God's son and you came and you died and rose again for me. And so I accept that love and accept that forgiveness. I accept that seat at the table. You can do that right now. Listen, there's, there's not a magic word. There's not a... It's just simply believing with your, your, your heart and confessing with your mouth those things. And you will be saved. The chair will be pulled back and you will be ushered into your seat there. For the rest of us that have already accepted that invitation, some of us have forgotten that, that, that now that we're there, there's some things that Jesus wants to do and there's some things that we need to do. We've kind of thought that, okay, we're there, we're done. It's not the way it works. Jesus wants us to be his disciple and to do so, he's made it very clear this morning some things that need to be a part of our lives. And remember I said earlier, it's like, you know, this isn't about perfection, you know, in some ways, like we're, we're never going to be perfect in all these areas, but it is about the process that God wants to do and the change that he wants to bring in you and through you. But here's the deal. To do that, we've got to do some things. We've got to put him first. We've got to follow his pattern. We've got to do these things that are so vital. And here's the thing. If maybe there's one or multiple things right now that you're having an issue with, guess what? If you're at the table, you're in the perfect spot. You're in the perfect spot to have him help you, to allow him to... To, to look at those areas and, and change them. For some of you, maybe it's you don't want to give him everything. You want to hold on to some hurt and some bitterness and some unforgiveness. You want to hold on to that, that nasty cheeseburger instead of what God's really prepared for you. 
And Jesus this morning would say, listen, throw it away. I got something so much better. If you'll just take it. And so for some of us this morning, that's what we need to do. We need to begin to allow him as we sit at his table to transform us to be more like him. Because in a lot of ways, being a disciple of Jesus is really just a nice, fancy way of saying we want to become just like him. And I know this about my life. Maybe you're different, but I know this about mine. There are several areas that I am nothing like Jesus. And I could sit there and pout about it and woe is me about it. Or I could understand that in those areas, as I sit at the table, Jesus wants to help me to change that, to become a little bit more like him and how I love people, to become a little bit more like him and how I forgive whatever area we're not so good at. So whatever those areas are, whatever God desires, maybe again it's to accept it for the first time, or maybe it's specific, the Holy Spirit is speaking right now, and He's showing you areas of your life where it's like, ah, you know, maybe I'm doing pretty good on this one, but, but this is an area where I need to throw my sandwich away and, and partake of the goodness that God has for me. Wherever you're at, when we call out to Jesus, he's there and he will answer and he will help and he will minister. Our job is to call out for help and he will help us and help you become more like him whether it's for the first time we change from life, or excuse me, from death to life, or whether it's that regeneration and, and restoration that he's doing in all of us, he wants us to be more like him. So if there's an area, whether it's the first time or others, listen, would you pray with me as I pray for you? Would you call out to God those things specifically and ask him to help you? Father, we love you and we thank you. And God, we thank you so much that you've invited us all to the table. Father, that, that we can come around the table and, 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 and be invited, that we never have to look at it and go, well, but I've done too many bad things. I'm not good enough here. Or not. Listen, that's not what your word says. Your word tells us, and your word is truth, that there is a seat for all of us there. And that we can go and we can come. We don't have to clean it ourselves all up. We can, we can just come as we are. And that you will accept us and you have a place for us there. But Jesus, it doesn't stop there. Then you want to begin to do some things in us. You want us to follow you and become your disciple, which means you want us to become more and more like you. God, don't let us just sit at the table and not partake in becoming like you. Don't let us just sit there and go, well, this is great. Here I am. I'll just wait till I'm dead. No. No, you've called us to a deeper calling than that, a deeper relationship with you. You've called us to become more and more like you. And Father, you've shown us in this short passage of Scripture some things that we need to focus in on to help make that a reality. 
we get to partner with you in our transformation. And that is a good thing. So Jesus, however your Holy Spirit is just speaking to people, Father, I pray that they would see those things. They would identify them with your help. And then they, with you partnering with them, begin the process of letting some things die so that the things you have for them can live and thrive and flourish. God, you are so good. You are so good. And we love you so much. So God, no matter where we're at, we give it to you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Now listen, thank you so much for being here this morning. I want to also say this. Some of the things that we talked about this morning are a little, you know, they, they can seem a little harsh and they can seem a little, you know, straightforward. Um, if, if there's anything that I did a poor job of, of sharing that you don't understand, come talk to me. Because this was a hard one for me to put together as far as wanting to make sure that, that things were communicated clearly with love and grace, but also with the truth that God wants us to understand. So the worst thing you could do this morning is say, I'm going to walk out of here confused. That's not what God has. And, it, and I don't blame you for that. I didn't do a good job, okay? And so with this being such a message that can be so easily misunderstood and taken to a place that it shouldn't be taken to, come talk to me about it. Or maybe I don't feel comfortable coming to you. Listen, an email works fine or a text, whatever you need to do so that we can look at these things the way that Jesus wants us to see them in his love and his grace and his mercy, but also in his truth, we need to do so. Okay? Great? Good. So listen, I hope you have a wonderful week. For those that are online, man, we love you. We miss you. We hope we see you soon. For the rest of you, have a wonderful week. Enjoy yourselves. Focus in on praying for the things that we prayed for in our groups this, this week. And also know that God is going to transform those areas and our areas wherever we need them to do so. I love you. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.